Rise Up theme song, take 11. Answering the difficult and critical questions youth may face that relate to Mormon culture and teachings. This is the Rise Up Podcast, produced by Fair Mormon. This is part two of an episode by J. Max Wilson on establishing a healthy testimony by being critical of the sources from which we learn. Find the previous episode in iTunes or at blog.fairmormon.org. See, not every thing, not every quote attributed to the apostles and prophets is actually what they have said. Sometimes it's not even close to what they actually said. And sometimes it is what they actually said, but it's been taken out of context in a way that makes it seem to say something that it does not. So as critical consumers of information, it is essential that we be, I don't want to say skeptical, because we aren't skeptical of things the prophets say, but we need to be suspicious until we have validated that is what has actually been said. Let me give you an example, another story from my own life. A number of years ago, I went with my family to visit uh, some relatives in Nevada and in, in the ward there, where we attended sacrament meeting, the counselor in the bishopric got up and he shared a, a story, an attributed quote. He shared a quote that supposedly came from one of the apostles. And he bore his testimony to the entire congregation of this quote from one of the apostles. But I knew, based on my own study, that the apostle had never said that quote. It was folklore. It was not true. Not only that, the apostle himself had come out with a statement saying that the, the quote was not from him. And not only that, that, but he did not believe the content of what the quote was saying, the doctrine that the quote taught. So here we had a counselor in the bishopric, a good man who was bearing his testimony and spreading this folklore of a, a doctrine that was not only shared in a quote that never happened, but a doctrine that the person to whom it was attributed, the apostle to whom it was attributed, didn't even believe. We need to be cautious with our quotes from apostles. Now, you're going to hear quotes. Folklore is a normal part of our human existence. It's part of how our brains are put together. The key here is that we're not going to be able to stop folklore from being passed around. That's not the key. The key is to be more cautious when it comes to quotes that you hear that are just passed around. When somebody says, some apostle has said once, or even if they specifically say a certain possible, I, I heard that, that uh, President Packer once said such and such. That's where we need to be cautious. We shouldn't pass those quotes along until we've substantiated that they're authentic. It's okay as a critical consumer of information to not jump on and believe that quote just because it supposedly came from an apostle. Now, along these lines, I want to read you an interesting quote. <laughs> Ironically, here's a, a quote that uh, you may not have ever heard before. But this is from a letter written in September of 1968 from Elder Bruce R. McConkie to his son. At the time, Elder McConkie was a 70. He, he wasn't yet an apostle. And so let me get my paper here and, and read you the quote of what he wrote to his son about this topic. He said... It is very common for people to be misquoted. This applies with particular force to the general authorities. 
Almost everywhere I go, including almost every state conference I attend, someone comes to me and says that at such and such time and place, I said such and such to them or to someone else. Now, I ordinarily have no independent recollection as to what was said on the indicated occasion. In the great majority of cases, however, I am confident I would not have said the thing attributed to me. Very often the language and approach in the quoted material is such that I can identify it in my mind as having come from some other one of the brethren. It is also not uncommon for a member of a stake presidency to get up in a general session of conference and say that Brother McConkie said such and such last night in the leadership session and in his recitation to totally and completely misconstrue and misquote what I had said. This matter of quoting the brethren falsely is of such general concern and creates such a problem that even the church handbook contains a statement that church members should not quote the brethren where extravagant or unusual things are concerned unless they have the matter in writing. And that's the end of the quote from Elder McConkie. So isn't that interesting that... Elder McConkie discovered in his own experience that even in a state conference that, where he had spoken just the day before at the leadership training, the very next morning when the state president would get up, he would misquote what Elder McConkie had said, or he would potentially misinterpret it and state things that Elder, Incon- Elder McConkie never intended. And this isn't on purpose, obviously. This is just human miscommunication. That's why we're supposed to be cautious. That's why the church handbook says we need to be careful about sharing sensational quotes from general authorities. You see, because it's so easy to misinterpret what somebody has said. So easy. So being critical consumers of information, when somebody shares a quote with you from an apostle, you should make sure before you invest too heavily. It's all right to believe it to a certain extent, but don't invest your testimony in it until you've substantiated that the context in which it was given, to whom it was given. Which brings up the second point I wanted to make along these lines, and that is not all quotes from the prophets and the apostles or the general authorities are equal. Joseph Smith is reported to have said that a prophet is only a prophet when he is acting as such. Prophets and apostles have personal opinions. They have personal interpretations. They are not always acting in the capacity of a prophet or apostle. So, for example, if a prophet or apostle says something in a private letter that they write to a family member or a friend, that is not the same thing as something that they say when they deliver a general conference talk or when they are acting in their role as an apostle giving apostolic counsel. So, different quotes should not be given the same amount of weight. A private opinion from an apostle expressed in a private letter should not be given necessarily the same amount of weight as something that he taught in general conference. So, being a critical consumer means understanding that not all quotes are equal, that not all quotes are interpreted correctly. It's okay to withhold your opinion, withhold investing your testimony in new information from quotes that you've never heard before until you've been able to get more information. You can ask yourself or ask the person who's, selling, uh, who's telling you the quote, when was it said? 
To whom was it said? Was it taught by other apostles and prophets? And that's a really important one too. A quote from an apostle from some letter he wrote to his son privately containing an idea that has never been taught by any of the other apostles or prophets weighs far less as a foundation for testimony than those precepts and those principles and those doctrines that have been taught by multiple prophets and apostles throughout the restored era since Joseph Smith to the present. So being a careful consumer of information means weighing quotes for their real value and whether they represent what the church really teaches. To conclude my thoughts on being a critical consumer of information in order to establish a strong foundation for a testimony, think about what happens when someone builds their testimony on a sensational story that they have heard in seminary or some unorthodox doctrine that they were taught in by a Sunday school teacher or an inaccurate quote that was shared in a sacrament meeting talk. When you build your testimony on this kind of information, then it creates a brittle testimony. It is not a strong testimony because it's based on sensational stories and cultural folklore. It's based on unofficial doctrines or obscure quotes that may or may not represent the official teaching of the church, even if they came from a general authority. So in order to establish a strong testimony, we need to found it on real spiritual experiences, real spiritual manifestations to real people, not folklore and not unverified sensational stories. We need to base our testimonies on real repeated teachings of the prophets and apostles of the restoration, not on unofficial teachings and obscure quotes. We need to be familiar with the official teachings of the church to be able to distinguish them from private interpretations and speculations that are taught here and there. And most importantly, we need to have a personal witness of the Holy Ghost obtained through work, faith, and prayer. The Holy Ghost testifies of truth. And if we're basing our testimony on real experiences from real people, on the actual repeated teachings of the prophets and apostles, and on substantiated official teachings of the church, then the Holy Ghost can testify to us and secure and fasten that testimony so that it will be strong and sure when it's built on the sandy foundation of these cultural level speculations, sensational stories, misquotes, then it's easy to knock it down because all you have to do is, is throw doubt upon the sensational stories and sh- throw doubt upon uh, the speculative quotes or use the speculative quotes to throw doubt upon the apostle who said it when really it isn't an official teaching of the church at all. If we want the Holy Ghost to secure our, our testimonies, it needs to be based on what the church really teaches. Now, we're all human. We aren't going to stop these things from happening. It is normal for us to get caught up in folklore and speculation, and it is impossible for us to eradicate inaccurate quotes. It would take years, and people have spent years digging through quotes and finding their context, and it's hard for us to find the time, honestly, to do it. It's possible that all of us have certain portions of our testimony that have been built on these inaccuracies. That doesn't mean our testimony is wrong. The things that the Holy Ghost has testified to us are true, but some of the things that we have 
fastened our testimony to are sometimes insecure. So when something you learn or hear or read goes against your expectations, don't throw away your testimony. First of all, be a critical consumer. Don't accept everything at face value. Don't jump to hasty conclusions. Be patient. Verify. Take the time and look at the things that you do know for sure, your own personal experiences. The personal experience, not not the folklore that's been passed around, but the personal experiences of people you know and trust, their own personal spiritual experiences that have verified and give testimony of the church. If you've come across a quote from an apostle that doesn't seem to make sense or that makes you feel doubt, don't make any hasty conclusions. Ask yourself those questions. Remember that not all quotes weigh the same. Ask yourself if you may have fastened your testimony to some incorrect understandings or incorrect expectations. Are you, when you have doubts come up, are you the customer of the seed factory that Elder Uchtdorf talked about? Calling up to complain that the seeds don't work when really it's something in your understanding and expectations about the gospel that was faulty because it was built on some of these insecure foundations? That's what I ask myself. I've often been able to turn to my own spiritual experiences. I've spent time trying to understand what the gospel is, what the prophets and apostles have taught. And I think that I've tried to be a critical consumer of information, of not believing every wind of doctrine that comes here or there, but fastening myself to the Holy Spirit and the teachings of the prophets and the apostles. And in my experience, that has given me a much surer foundation to be able to deal with new information that may seem to challenge what I believe and what I know to be true. Anyway, those are my thoughts on building a strong foundation for testimony by being a critical consumer of information. I hope you found it helpful. I hope that it will get you thinking about how you approach the gospel. And I hope it will help you establish a sure foundation for your testimony. If, if you don't have a testimony of the gospel, get one. Do the work. Exercise the faith. Say the prayers and try to feel what your Heavenly Father wants for you. And look at what you have felt up to date as you have participated in the church. I know the gospel is true. And I know that the prophets and apostles are trustworthy and that we can follow them in the world. And I know that the scriptures are a sure foundation for being able to learn what God wants for us and how we should conduct our lives. And I've been greatly blessed by my participation in this church. If this has been helpful for you, let me know. You can uh, contact me at my blog, 16smallstones.org, or you can leave comments here in the podcast. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rise Up. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please subscribe to our show in iTunes under the name Mormon Faircast. Questions or comments can be posted at blog.fairmormon.org in conjunction with this episode. Tune in each week for another episode of Rise Up. 
Thank you for listening.